You're listening to Raw with Marty Gallagher, J.P. Bryce, and Jim Steele, brought to you by Iron Company. If you enjoy our podcast, please share the link and give us a review on your favorite podcast player. We definitely appreciate it. With us today is a guy that's got a very interesting background in martial arts, kettlebell training, and strength training. He's a master RKC and owner of the CrossFit Concepts Gym in Gaithersburg, Maryland. Today, we welcome Michael Krivka to the Raw podcast. Welcome, Mike. Thank you, gentlemen. It's a thrill to be here. Yeah, so we welcome. appreciate it. Yeah. Um, you're a longtime friend of ours, especially Marty's. Um, there's usually always some interesting backstory associated with the anybody's acquaintance to, to Marty Gallagher. So how did you guys meet? So uh, I was a fan of Marty's for years and years. And obviously, you know, I have my, my copy of my Purposeful Primitive over my right shoulder as we speak. Um, I didn't meet Marty face-to-face until um, – I went to Jim's Jim's to school at Jim's uh, an event at Jim's school, uh, and uh, it was a number of years back, and it was a a workshop by by Marty, Brad, and Jim that was hosted by Dragondor, and um, and I met Marty there, and I was immediately intimidated, and uh, we were we were asking questions, and I I you know I I piped up and asked a question about the Zercher squat, and of course Marty in his in his infinite wisdom crosses his arms, looks at me, and goes, why. <laughs> so that was that was my introduction to Marty Gallagher, and, and since then I've been. I would like to say I was, I'm a friend of Marty's <laughs> since that moment, and uh, and we've worked together on a couple of projects, and I've worked with Marty with some with some people, and and had a great time. So you know, I'm I'm a, I'm definitely you know in, in Marty's in Marty's fan book, that's for sure. But yeah, it was it's always it's always interesting to work with Marty. It's it's never never dull. And Marty, is that how you recall the whole thing? <laughs> I don't know quite how to take that. Um, <laughs> he just simply look you up in the white pages like Chuck Miller did. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a true story, too. Uh, Michael, I, I've always been fascinated. The thing that got my attention about Michael and that, to me, separated him from the rest of the pack was he has a heavy uh, JKD background, Jeet Kune Do. And, you know, anybody who's into the martial arts knows that, you know, that that was originally Bruce Lee's uh, hybrid. Yep. And correct me if I'm wrong, Michael, Jeet Kune Do means way of the intercepting fist. Yes, sir. So, uh, you know, Dan Inosanto, who I met, I met Dan, um, very cool circumstance. I actually was... Uh, moderator between a conversation between Dan and Asanto and an Indian guru named Sri Chinmoy Ghost. That that was a hell of an afternoon. Um, So I met Dan and was impressed by him. So then, you know, the more I got to talking to Michael, it wasn't like, you know, Michael was just like, he wasn't just another, you know, guy in the, band he you know has had a long relationship with uh as he called him guru dan so why don't you tell us about that michael how did you get into jkd when and uh you've been with him for a long time now right yeah for a long time i mean that's he's he's you know there there are um there are a handful of people in this world who I consider to be, you know, my mentors and my guides and people who I look to for, uh, for, for ins- inspiration and instruction. And Dan Asanto is one of them. So when I met Guru Dan back in 1984, I was already a fifth degree black belt in, uh, in a couple of systems. I was, a, I, was a, I was one of the Ringel's American Ninjas 
um, trained with the Japanese, brought them to the United States, trained with them extensively here. Uh, I started training the martial arts when I was 13 in Taekwondo in a system called well, Tian Shin Pai Gung Fu. Mike, hold on. Who is the ninja guy forever? Um, Stephen Hayes. Yeah, Stephen Hayes yes. out of Ohio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> out of Ohio, yes, sir. And he's still there yep. to this very day. Um, so I started, did, did that, you know, I was considered a, uh, it's called a Shidoshi Ho. Shidoshi Ho means instructor trainer. So I was the weapons expert. I was the guy that came to for sword training, for knife training, for stick training, uh, for, and for various other implements in the, in the system. And, um, a buddy of mine in, in, in um, in, in Pittsburgh, a guy named Don Guerin was hosting Guru Dan. I go, well, you know, I, I've never trained in JKD. I've never seen this kind of stuff. It's kind of cool. I'm going to give it a shot. And, um, I was floored. I was literally floored. I mean, I was literally a fifth degree black belt in, in two different systems and, and thought I really knew what movement was and what technique was and what the martial arts were. And I met this guy and I was just humbled, just literally humbled and, and awed in his presence. And I said, well, okay, well, it's time to hang up that black belt and put my white belt back on. And so I've been a white belt under Guru Dan since 1984. And I'm, I mean, so now I'm, I'm, you know, effectively I'm a full instructor in, in JKD and Filipino martial arts and Mafalinda Sila as well as instructors that he's introduced me to in, in, in Muay Thai and Lameko Scream and that kind of stuff. <clears throat> so I'm, you know, I've got credentials up the yin yang, but working with him, you're a white belt. I don't care what you think you are when you walk in the door and what you think you've accomplished over the last 40, 50 years, <clears throat> you're effectively a white man, a white belt in this man's presence, which I'm, which I'm cool with. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I've got, you know, started training with kettlebells, you know, pre 2000 and I'm still a beginner. I mean, I'm still your average everyday guy slinging kettlebells, even though I'm considered a master instructor. I, I you know, it, it's a title. It doesn't mean anything to me. It just means that I've got, I, I've got more time as a white belt than any other white belt out there. That's and you know, is. and it probably was a good feeling. You could just relax and soak, soak that all up. Oh, it was awesome. You know, and then, yeah. you know, the <laughs> worst thing is when somebody comes to our seminars and, and gives us their resume when they walk in and we're like, oh, okay, great. But you really don't know, know anything. So we're just, gonna, you know, I, <laughs> And then whenever that I used to have, freshmen, well. <laughs> you know, Marty, I'd have freshmen come in and they'd be there and, you know, the resume and I did this in high school and I did that in high school. And we, and we you know, I try to be respectful of their strength coach because a lot of them are, are pretty good. But then you see the guy get under the bar and he does a half squat. I'm like, OK, just just be a sponge, man. I know every I know, you know, everything, but we're just going to teach you what we know. Let's just go with that. You know? Yeah. 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 And, and once again, I mean, you know, when you know, when 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 I met Marty, it's like, you know. Once again, this is this is this is a guy you're gonna you're gonna you know sit at his feet and you're gonna learn. You're gonna yeah. you're gonna soak up what this guy has to have because there's nothing nothing more there's nothing more important than practical experience. I mean, I I've worked with and I know Marty and Jim and JP have <clears throat> guys who have doctorates and letters after their name, and you go, this guy's never been under a bar. This guy's never been behind a, a real kettlebell. He's never had real training. It's all yeah, theoretical. That's difference. Yeah. yeah. So you've got to have time in the gym you've got to have time under load you got to have time under pressure and, and under under pressure is what the martial arts is all about how do you how do you react under pressure the symbol for ninjutsu is called ninpo and it really it's two japanese symbol it's the heart and a blade and it's a blade pointing at the heart so what does that mean can you can you stay calm under duress and that's that's my that's my game my game is stay calm under pressure that's that's your whole reason for life yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, how do you uh, how do you practice that? How do you attain well, that? Well, I mean, that's 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 you know that's that's can you keep going? Consistency, longevity. I mean, can you can you put yourself 
in the crucible every day and then come back the next day. Yeah. You know, I, mean, I think one of the, one of the things that I've, that I've seen missing in most people's training is consistency, consistency and longevity. You know, how, how long do you think you can maintain what you're doing right now? Well, if you're crushing your people every single day, they're not going to last very long. You got to hit them hard enough. So you create adaptation for the next, 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 next event and then move forward. Yeah. Yes, exactly. But, but, but not, uh, yeah, not crippling. We don't do uh, the eternal boot camp. So then, so let's see, Michael, how old are you now? I'll be 60 in a few months, sir. Okay. So what drew you to kettlebells? So it's a funny story. So, you know, I, you know, I, I, you know, when I, when I first started with kettlebells, I've been in the martial arts for shit 25 years i guess and you know my 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 weight training my conditioning was always an adjunct to my martial arts training is it going to make me faster stronger hit harder move better and um i was introduced to kettlebells by a buddy of mine on the west coast who, who basically called me and said hey have you heard this kettle, about this kettleball thing you know i i heard of this guy named pavel and uh there's a guy going to be on the east coast in your neighborhood literally you know down the street from me uh doing a kettlebell workshop in two weeks you should go check it out I said, okay, well, you know, I've heard of kettlebells and I've, I've you know, read stuff online. This, this is back before, right after, you know, Al Gore invented the internet. And, you know, I was digging into it and trying to find things about it. And the guy was named Mike Mahler. And Mike Mahler was doing a two-day workshop um, over in Alexandria on Russian kettlebells. And I showed up, bought my first 53-pound kettlebell, and I've had that kettlebell for over 20 years now. So, I mean, I thought it was perfect. I mean, I thought it was a perfect system. You know, it, 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 it generally... Why? Why? So as a martial artist, what do you, what are the attributes you need as a martial artist? Mobile, agile, hostile, and strong. Okay. In, in, in all positions. So when I looked at the kettlebell training and I, and I, I got the training that was just completely flat, fascinated by it. Kettlebell training is all about explosive force and power and, and being able to do that in, in multiple planes of movement and being able to apply it with, with one hand, with both hands uh, and, and our one kettlebell, one kettlebell in two hands, one kettlebell in one hand, or two kettlebells in both hands. Uh, it's a fascinating system. It's, it's, it's very, very, so, so, so I've, I've said for, <coughs> excuse me, probably 20 years now that kettlebell training is the JKD of power training. It is, it's, the goal is to become as functional as possible and limit and, and, and narrow down all the, the extraneous noise and possibilities in the background and become fast and become powerful and understand how your body works and how it functions. And that's, that's what I've been doing for 20 years is trying to use the kettlebell as the, as the tool that I would use to train, you know, a, a MMA fighter, to train a cop, to train a soldier, to train a, a SF uh, operator to become both strong, but also mobile, agile, and, and injury proof and as, as, you know, not get them jacked up in the process. So Mike, with the kettlebells, you started learning them and then you opened your place? Yeah, so it wasn't well, well after that. So, so when I when I went to the first kettlebell workshop, I was teaching. I had a full time martial arts school, and okay. so I started adjuncting the the martial arts program with kettlebell classes. Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah, and that added everything. I mean, that at the time, were kettlebells just really catching on? Because there was a time when kettlebells were amazingly huge. Uh, no, so I was like I was like the second RKC class, maybe the third. Uh, yeah. And they were doing yeah. they were they were doing like five a year. So I was like in the second or third class. And, and and Mike, back then in those days, I mean, it was just RKC pretty much, basically, right? For certifications. That was it. 
Yeah, yeah. There, there was there was nobody in the field then, and and so you know you this the, the arc you know what was the RKC back then? The RKC was a three day crucible. You had a kettlebell in your hand for ten hours a day. You didn't go to the you didn't go to the shitter without a kettlebell in your hand. Literally. Hey, this is a hey hey. This is a uh, not an X-rated program. You keep your working <laughs> now back in back in Maryland. Okay. Yes, sir. So it was it was a it was a three day crucible. You had a kettlebell in your hand the whole time. You learned 26 to 28 techniques in three days. You were tested on the snatch test. Yeah, okay. Time out, time out. You talk too much. All right, listen. This is also when every time an airplane went overhead, you had to run outside. I'm not familiar with that, sir. Okay. Well, there was a period where they, and this was in Minnesota. Yes, sir. Yeah. So when they're in Minnesota, they'd be having these three-day enduros. But anytime a jet went overhead, everyone had to run outside and I don't know, do something with a kettlebell. Why? And come back and continue. Well, I was I, I don't know, just that's superstition. They no, they decided that that was I don't know, throwing in some. They had some sophisticated reason for doing it. I'm sure if you ask them, they'll tell you about it. But I'm just telling you that that's one of the oddities <clears throat> that, that they were into that, that training phase. And also, I believe it uh, culminated with the 100 rep snatch test with what, a 54? Yeah, so you had 100 snatches with a 53-pound kettlebell in five minutes. So, I mean, so one of the things, so I don't remember the, the if a plane went over, you had to run outside and do something. But I do know for a fact that every hour on the hour, we did 100 swings. I mean, I mean, I, and I have I have a picture of Dan John standing next to a clock, <laughs> you know. So oh, it's time to do 100 swings. <laughs> so and that was and that was ridiculous. That was that was out in we were in L.A. the the one I remember we were in L.A. at a, at, a, at UCLA on their field and it was like you know it was unbelievably hot and it was just nasty couple of days and everybody's hands were bloody. I mean, literally, it looks like a looks like a boxing camp. Everybody's hands were taped because they, they tore their hands up in the process, but literally every hour, hundred swings, every hour so, on the hour for eight so, hours, hundred swings. So Mike, so, uh, what, no, so what kind of poundage you real quick, JP, I want you to go ahead, but I just be curious what kind of weight, I mean, you're a big guy. What would you have to do every hour? hundred swings. 53 with? pounds, 53 pound kettlebell, two hand swings for every hour on the hour. Mm. Did they adjust and that? To that weight would, or how'd that work? So that was, so that would, yeah, that, they would adjust the weight. So the, the women's entry point was 35. Or, or that was that was the average weight they would use. But back then, it was there was there was no there was there was only two kettlebells. It was a fifty-three pound and a thirty-five pound. So it didn't matter what you wanted to use. You, you had guys two should have called me, but you didn't. Well, no, no. This is this is also twenty plus years ago, man. For your they only they only imported two kettlebells. There was only two kettlebells available: fifty-three and thirty-five. Who was the architect of this kind of training? Was it Pavel? Because he was in their RKC very early. Yeah, that was Pavel. We invented yeah, Pavel. Yeah. Yeah. And so, all right, all right, all right. Marty, why so, don't you tell your kettlebell story with Pop? Yeah, I told that. He told it on Pop. Rogan. I know. Yeah, he did. Uh, Pop, yeah. Pop was on Rogan and he told how uh, it was a casual conversation between he and I and my deck. Pop would come to visit me. Originally, he was, a, he was a stretching expert. When he first came to this country, his, uh, he was um, advocating a certain way of stretching that would increase strength and he was actually touring the country and he came to when he would come to washington dc he would come up and stay with me in the country and 
so one day we had a couple glasses of wine in the deck after I don't know I cooked them a roast duck or something you know and so we're drinking wine and I said what did you I asked him I said what did you get your master of sport in because they don't just give those away that's a that's a difficult I don't care what sport it is to get a master of sport in the old Soviet Union before the curtain fell that was a that was a tough tough hurdle to jump and he told me kettlebells and I said well you know what do you got to do and you know with what what do you got to do and he you know told me and I think he called them pods p-o-d-s foods yes sir foods yeah and what is yeah what is that was that like saying stone and for to an English person. yeah it's a, a weight I'm reference six, right Mike I'm, yes, I'm 16 16.3 stone it's like mm-hmm. what <laughs> dude yeah. So anyway, so we're, we're on the deck, number one. And he said, you know, we had to do this and snatch and this, whatever, whatever you guys do with those things. I don't know. And so I said, well, that's interesting. <laughs> I said, Americans would be uh, American. You know, you should write an article on that. And he said, no, Americans would not be interested in that kettlebell. Too harsh, too hard. And I said, well, I think you're wrong. That if you write the article, I'll edit it. And I'll get my friend Randy Strassen at Milo to publish it. And he did. And so that was the start of the whole kettlebell thing. Now, yeah. Marty, that so, was before kettlebells were even in this country, really, right? I, they've always <laughs> been kind of, kind of around a little bit because there was old timer guys like in Eugene Sandow kind of period. And, yeah. And Sig, uh, who else? Uh, Sigmund Klein and those guys and Otto Arcaro, guys in the 20s and 30s would use kettlebells, but they were weird looking. And, yeah. Marty, and like with with Indian clubs, right? Yeah. Hey, some Indian and they came clubs. back too. Yeah, the clubs came back too. Scott Sonnen did the club elves. Uh, but getting back to the kettlebell thing, yeah, that's that's where it originated. And um, Pablo was hard and harsh. And that original crew that came through would be the Steve Maxwell, Michael Cotter days. Those guys were a different breed. Yeah. Right, Michael? Yes, sir. No, and once again, it was it was a it was a very well it was a um, how do you explain it? It was very militaristic, uh, yep. very much comrade this and comrade that. Uh, so I mean, I, I you know and, and and you know these are guys who are trying to be you know who were expressing the fact that they were um, they were can I use the word badass? Is that is that a good enough term yeah, to use? That's or, acceptable. So so, mm-hmm. so it was yes, they were they were a Billy badass team, and uh, not a single one of these guys ever had any military training or a background with real 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 right. badasses and uh right. i it rubbed me raw from the from the get-go so i i kind of didn't see the, the purpose behind it nor did i see the reasoning behind their, their training methodology uh but you know i i love i love the tool and i wanted to soak up as much as i possibly could wow. so to kind of to kind of i love the tool yeah i love the tool so, so to kind of take a, a, a quick aside you know my first introduction to kettlebells was not through pablo from mike mike, mike Mueller. it was at the soviet embassy downtown i was training in sambo and there were very very few sambo instructors there was a guy who was a u.s marshal over in northern virginia and then there was a sambo club at the russian embassy so uh, i got entree into the the sambo club at the russian embassy and nice. you know i was asking the guys what, I think know, what, I would have liked to have done that. Yeah, it was kind of cool. It was very cool. I was uh, I was scared around those guys. Those those were some badass dudes. They were scary men. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. But they had a they had a stack of kettlebells in the corner, and you know we had finished ah. the workout, and I asked the guys, you know, what what are those things? Oh, so the 
they're, they're kettlebells and we use them to do this. And I'm, and I'm watching these guys sling these things around. I'm going, that's kind of cool. But you know, when I, when I saw, you know, Russians using kettlebells and I met Pavel and this guy's, I'm going, that's not what they do. <laughs> I mean, so there's a very, there's a very distinct difference between what the Russian, the Russian Sambo guys did and the, and the, 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 the immigrant Russian Pavel did when he showed kettlebells. In what way? Right. And what was, what was the differences? They were a lot more, so, so they were a lot more ballistic. They understood how to yep. inter, integrate with the ground better. Uh, Pavel's stuff initially, and, and you can ask Marty, Pavel's stuff initially was just kind of wacky. It was a lot of upper, everything was based upon upper body speed, head speed, and grip. And uh, his ability to integrate with the ground and use it, use it to, to produce force was, was minimal. It was minimal. It was just, it was, wow. it was, it was a, it was a, it was, you know, grip it and rip it game. It really right. was. So, I mean, so, so this is, I'm going to pay Marty a compliment. He's probably heard me say this before, but my, my understanding of kettlebells was severely influenced by my integration, by my work with Marty Gallagher. Um, I literally went in a completely different direction with kettlebells because of Marty's influence. So, I mean, you know, Marty, Marty, you know, Marty and no uncertain terms explained to me how important it was the deadlift was and the squat lift was and, 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 and through that, that, in, that understanding, you know, how important is it to understand how well you integrate with the ground? Do you have a firm understanding of what the ground does for you and where force power and speed are really created? And I, I was, I was, yeah, I was, I was gobsmacked. So Marty completely changed my, my, my introspection. So if you see, you know, so if you see me as a 60 year old kettlebell user using a kettlebell, and you see a 25, 30, 35, 40 year old person who's trained by either RKC, Strong First, Kettlebell Concepts, whatever you want to go to, you know, uh, IKFF. Um, and you go, wow, Krivka looks different. Yeah, because I'm using what Marty told me to do. I'm doing what Marty told me to do, which is, is respect the ground, use the ground to generate force. Your legs and your feet are what create force. I don't do that. I don't, I don't have the, um, the uh, what, are, what are they what are those things the the the, the bird thing you buy it south of the border that would you put it in a glass of water and it tips over and goes back and you know what I'm talking about yeah you know what I'm talking about so if you watch if you watch ninety three point seven percent of people using kettlebells they look like that bird dipping their nose in water and I'm going show me the sport show me the activity that that that's based upon your strength your speed your power is based on how fast you can sling your head between your legs and backwards jimmy yeah rip on that jimmy <laughs> i know i just i know i just i just literally opened a can of worms steel can go on for two hours on this subject go jim about the ground force ground yeah. force reactive reactive right i mean you know that's that whole thing and they they talk about i think we talked about it on the uh on the podcast Phil. fastest people in the world push through the ground the hardest and they get it off the ground the quickest. The guys yeah. who hit the hardest in the NFL push the hardest through the ground and that transfers through their hips. Yep. I mean, that's all athletics, all athletics is. I mean, is, is that push through the ground in the hip extension, push through the ground and hip extension. What do they call it? Reactive force? Yeah, just like Mike was saying, ground force reaction. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I, was, I was called out by a master RKC that I was a moron. By saying that the the that the you know the, the hip is not the engine, the hip is a transmission. If you do not know how to drive off the ground, I don't yeah. care what kind of hinge you have, right. you got nothing. 
every 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 bit of ounce of force you have is dictated upon how well you interact with the ground. And the hip is not the engine. The hip is the transmission. Right. The hip yeah. translates force from the ground through the body. Yeah. It's, a, it's the second phase of the booster. You know who's the best, to me, the, the ex athletic example I love to point out is Mike Tyson. Oh, God, <laughs> yes. He's terrifying. He, he, well, and again, everything comes from his legs. If yeah. you really look, if you really look carefully at him, his power, his main disadvantage was his shortness. Yes, sir. He was he was five eleven, you know, and he's fighting everybody else's elite six three, six four. So he turned his disadvantage into his advantage because he he take his five eleven hunch over even more. Now these guys got a punch down at him, and he gets inside him. They had a thing on TV the other day, and I'm looking at him, and he had two favorite knockout punches. One was he, he's all bent over, and he does a, an uppercut coming from those powerhouse legs, and he hits the guy in the gut. And then on the rebound, he swings up. Yep. So he gets an uppercut upward. He hits the, so the guy gets bent over with this incredible blow to his gut. And then when he's bent over, he gets hit with this – sledgehammer uppercut yeah it was boom boom right and it and it was just all in one split second it, it wasn't one two it was like hit him and the guy right up in his face and and he's putting down guy after guy with that and then he had he's beating him up from the inside and then he had this crazy outside left hook thing yeah where he's whacking and whacking and whacking he's getting them all crunched up in the middle and then he does this this outside hook thing, but even the outside hook starts with his right leg. You can yeah. see him. Yeah. He bends down like he's going to do a vertical leap, and then he lets that thing fly, and it's like, you know, being hit with a, you know, a brick at the end of a rope. Yeah, he's amazing. I mean, once again, so, so, if, if you, so, so, so. All leg, all leg. All legs, all legs. And, and a powerhouse I, I, back. His, yeah. He had the transmission, too. Yeah. Yeah. His, so I mean his everything back was his transmission. Yeah, you look at that guy and you're going, holy crap, do you want to get hit by that man? I mean, because because you, you look at it, if, if you look at him biomechanically, right? What is he doing? He's exploding off the ground. And the last thing he does is throw his hands. But everything mm -hmm. he does, it's like it's like a coiled right. spring. He coils into the ground and he coiled. explodes. Yeah. Oh my That's god. It's amazing. I mean, I love watching I, I love watching Mike Tyson train. But it makes me cringe. I feel I feel bad for the guy holding the pads for him. Like God, that guy's well, just, using so many just pounds. Be, just be grateful he wasn't born six foot three. Oh yeah, because then he would have murdered people. Yeah, I mean, I mean did he it, do much in uh, the form of resistance training, kettlebells, barbells, anything? I mean, I don't think I've seen I'm him sure training with that. Stuff. They probably did some. You know, they know he did a lot of push-ups, but you got to understand genetically. When he was 14, he, yeah. he looked like a man, you know. Yeah, yeah he did. Oh, yeah. Big neck. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think. And, 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 and again, you know, God creates terrible, deformed mistakes in people, but he also creates yeah. genetic marbles. And if they find the sport that they're destined for, that's important. You know, it's no sense if you're Mike Tyson and you decide you want to become a great swimmer. Yeah. Or a basketball player. <laughs> or about, yeah, it's not gonna happen. Yeah, yeah, but I mean that's important, you know. And uh, I was looking at the thing thing on John Paul Sigmarson. I was doing some work on him the other day, and I was like, 
Oh, if he'd have been in, <clears throat> born in the United States, he would have been like, uh, you know, uh, outside linebacker. Yeah. You yeah. know, yeah. NFL, you know, all pro. You know, but he happened to be born in Iceland. So, they, you know, the Russian in Russia, the big guys, they either got to be uh, wrestlers or weightlifters because they don't have football and they don't have rugby. Yeah. Right. So, so much of that is dependent. So in addition to the kettlebells, then you started the barbell training. Yes, sir. So you're a pretty complete package. I like to think so. I mean, so you know, once again, I, I, you know, there, there's, there's, there's no one tool that that fits all, all, all shapes, sizes, and, and requirements. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the so, so if if you were to look at my training log for the last 15 years, and I've I've logged every workout I've done, and I've and I've created, you know, I have I run I run group classes on workouts. So our workouts consist of body weight kettlebells and bars, and and so we have we have uh, we have a handful of uh, tangential tools. We obviously have the pull up rig. I use the, the ab wheel, the wheel of pain, where you want to call it on a regular basis, the power wheel, which is another tool very similar to the ab wheel. Um, and that's pretty much it. I mean, that's, 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 that's our, that's our training quiver. I mean, so you, I mean, I know there are guys who are just, just body weight alone. I'm going, well, that's nice. But, and those guys are just kettlebell alone. I said, well, that's a good step in the right direction. And then, you know, there's just bar guys. Well, that's good too. But, you know, but the combination of those three tools I found to be, uh, cross cross platform, cross sectional, cross cross generation, cross. Well, they, um, they, Michael, they also hit our three strength types: absolute strength, explosive strength, sustained strength. Roger that, and that once again, that's another influence of Marty. Marty had a great influence on what I what I how I teach my clients and what I use as the platform for for all of our workouts. So I mean, you know, once again, you know, I, you know Marty Marty doesn't want me to gush over him, and I, and I, and I won't do it. Yeah, but you know, my my. Uh, my don't yeah. So my 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 interaction with Marty has been tremendously influential with me, uh, as 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 much so as as Dan and Asanto has been to me in the um, in the in the martial arts world. So you added the barbells in after you got back from the the seminar with Marty. Absolutely, positively. Yeah. I mean, so so I, I, they never left, but I but but I go. You know what? There's there's there ha- there there has to be another component that's going to give us an edge. Okay. I mean, I mean, this, so, so, you know, so what are you constantly looking for? You know, I'm constantly looking for the, 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 the perfect workout, the perfect combination of tools that gives me all the attributes that I want to have that are going to let me to, 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 to perform for another 25, 30 years. Well, well, Mike, you had to, you were missing the absolute strength with the kettlebells, right? So you had yes, to bring sir, that in through the barbell. Yeah. Roger that. Roger that. Yeah. I mean, so yeah. there's only so far you can go. I mean, I, I can, I can, I can get some tremendous, um, some tremendous uh, load, some tremendous volume up with the kettlebell, but I'm not ever peaking my strength. Yeah. Well, like, well, like Marty says, make, we don't, we don't make yeah. 400 pound kettlebells. Yeah. Right? Exactly. For a reason, for a reason. I mean, once again, what, you know, what do you do? I mean, so, so, I mean, <clears throat> there, there, there are, there are, are two on two, two classifications of techniques, the kettlebell, those grinds and ballistics. Okay. So you can't, you can't ballistic a grind and you can't grind a ballistic. I mean, this, so you have to understand the distinction between those two techniques and how they're applied. So you have somebody, you know, you have somebody swinging a 200 pound kettlebell going, that's, that's not a kettlebell swing. That's a grind. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can't, you, so you know, what, what distinguishes a ballistic? Well, when you think of ballistic, what do you think of? Hard, fast, and explosive. Well, you're not going to, you're not going to be hard, fast, and explosive unless you're a 400 pound monster and snatching that 200 pound kettlebell. I had never seen it happen. <laughs> that's not going to happen. Well, it's like the guys who, you know, when I was an Olympic lifter, my 
power queens look more like upright rows with reverse curls, right? Yeah. <laughs> Wrong. You know, it's like, yeah. And we have to be a distinction. And if you get in that gray zone, you end up with nothing. Well, once again, so what do you, what do you, what's, what's the, what's the response you're looking for physiologically, right. ecclesiologically from the body? Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What's the right tool? That's right. Right. Jim, yeah. uh, did kettlebells play a part in your training at the uh, University of Pennsylvania when you were head strength coach over there? A lot for injured guys. Yeah. Guys can do goblets, guys can do swings, guys can do get ups, which mm -hmm. is, I think get ups is the most beneficial of them, of them all really. Um, so your, they couldn't put a your, ball. What do you back. think about that? What do you think about that, uh, Michael? Get up. So I mean, so once again, there. I mean, as a, as as a technique, they're spectacular. Um, I, I mean, as as a as a tool to program into into a workout, they're tough to do because once so there, there, there's there's there. I mean, so when I teach a triggers trick get up, there are seven transitions. There are seven main transitions in the triggers get up, and there are fourteen internal covert transitions as well. So there's 21, there's 21 transitions literally in the Turkish getup. How well can you teach that? And how well can you monitor that in a group class? It's not easy to do, man. Yeah. I mean, I know there are guys who will say, oh, I can teach some of the Turkish getup in five minutes and it's perfect. I'm going, no, it's not. Put them under yeah. load. I mean, so I, 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 I've done this a number of times. I started at one end of my gym and you've been there, right? With an eight pound kettlebell. And I've gone up to the 135 pound kettlebell in an hour. Right. I do one on the right, one on the left, starting the eight pound and go to the 135. I'm telling you right now, there you you have to have you have to have an intimate understanding of every one of those transitions to get past 50 pounds. Because you're 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 not gonna survive those those transitionary loads. Either either the either the main the overt the overt load transitions or the internal covert transitions. So as oh, a tool, yeah. as as a technique, it's great, but it has to be a supervised right. type thing. Yeah. There's a difference between little wave surfers and big wave surfers. Roger that. Yes, sir. Any, any moron can do something stupid with the light kettlebell. And you see it all the time. Watch, look at, look at Instagram, look at YouTube, look at, look at any yeah. one of the media platforms. <laughs> Give somebody a lightweight. They can do some really stupid stuff. Okay. Give them a heavyweight. Man, your stupidity is limited. <laughs> it, 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 narrow, it narrows the field very, very fast. Yeah. It was a great tool for our, you know, we use we do it as a warm up. Swings were, are a great warm up, man. Yeah. Uh, very similar to an overhead squat as far as just warming up your whole body. Watch that. And then the injured guys would have a separate kettle. So, so I get a, a you know the trainer would say, hey, no axial loading, you know, nothing on their backs. Well, then we're going to move them to the kettlebells. You know, I had a belt squat also, but I just felt like once I graduated from the belt squat, then the kettlebell sort of was the in between the barbell and that belt squat machine I had, you know, so the yes, getting there ready to go back to the barbell. I, I used them a lot and we had, we all got certified. My whole staff got certified by Phil Ross who came down and, uh, okay. you know, we didn't do the RKC. We did the HKC, I guess, where we're just, we're, we're, we're certified to teach it. And uh, yeah, it was real beneficial for us, you know, in a limited capacity, but something that if somebody said, is that part of your program, I could, say definitively yeah yeah it was another tool in in the tool belt that you guys yeah. could use with your players and you know. yeah jim you were also uh weren't you also certified as an olympic coach olympic lifting coach yeah leo totten certified yeah. Year, year oh wow up at the old yeah. york barbell that's awesome yeah that was great uh that's little a, that's a, a little different atmosphere than powerlifting which i was doing at the time but uh interesting i learned a lot 
Yeah. You know, I think the uh, like learning a full squat snatch would have akin to the 21 points on the get up. Yes, sir. Right. That's the I, difficulty. The difficulty in teaching. I love Olympic weightlifting, but the difficulty involved in teaching it is, and the time that is required. Yeah. Is just, it's, I mean, these guys classically are training two hours a day, five and six days a week. Right. That's a lot of time to devote toward learning how to lift a barbell overhead. Yes, yes sir. Absolutely. Right. Positively. Well, one inch out in front and you lose it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's so, you know, when I, when I say, when I made the comment that, 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 that kettlebell training is a JKD of, of weightlifting, the precision you have to have to become a, a high level fighter is the same precision you need to have to become a very, very high level of kettlebell. Okay. Yeah. There, there's, well, that's, there's that's a good point. Yeah, there's there's no, there's no margin for error. So so when I teach kettlebells, I teach two hands, one kettlebell, one hand, one kettlebell, and I teach two kettlebells, one on each hand. Okay, so when you get to one kettlebell on each hand, and let's say even at a moderate weight like fifty three pounds on each hand, your stuff better be dialed in pretty tight. Okay, and so going for even from swings to cleans to snatches to presses to to any 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 one of the the, the or the hybrids, the the split snatch, the split clean. Those things have to be dialed in the jerk, the, you know, the different presses, you know, you, you can, you can do it readily with one hand. Most people can get to that point where they can do it with one hand with a relatively with a decent weight in a short period of time, six to eight, 10, 10, 12 months. Okay. But you start fooling around with two kettlebells and you have, you know, you're doing ballistic movements, those kettlebells and one, you know, what I call a clean snatch where one going, one's going into, clean, into the rack and one's going overhead. You, you better have your stuff dialed in. Yeah. You know, Mike, Mike, you think that would take you better than a year of kettlebell training to get to that point? Well, I think you, so here's the thing. So, so do you need that? That's the first Mm -hmm. question. So, I mean, so if you're, if you're, if you're someone who is, who is, uh, who is young and is strong and, 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 and operates within an environment, you need to have the ability to coordinate. If you're a fighter, absolutely positively. If you're a combat athlete, absolutely positively, you need to have coordination and strength and power that is beyond the normal human being walking around out there. Okay. So yeah, I, so I would say, you know, for, for someone who's a, who's a, uh, you know, in a tactical environment or an athletic environment where they're doing contact athlete or a combat athlete yeah, you could get there and you probably need that kind of coordination. You need that kind of strength, but I mean, for, you know, for, so that, then there's the other 99% of the population. Well, do I, I have my, my, I have clients that are 13 and I have clients that are 86 years old. Okay. Well, I'm telling you right now, my 13 year old would probably like to, to screw around with that, but my 86 year old, well, you know what they're doing? And Jim said it swings, goblet squats, Turkish yeah. get ups. Yeah. They're doing yeah. cleans with two hands. They're doing swings with two hands or doing yeah. cleans with two hands. They're doing high pulls with two hands. And you know what? Oh, forget strong. about that. They can, Michael, if they can do the Turkish get up, that's wild. Yeah. 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 Definitely. And so, and we, and we, and we, everybody, everybody spends time on the ground. I mean, so, you know, one of the, one of the, one of the lost secret sauce things is when we do a workout, we got one on our feet, one on our butt, one on our feet, one on our butt. We're, so you're going up and down the whole workout. So, you know, my average workout is between 18 and 23 minutes, but you're getting in up and down off the ground. Okay. Maybe a hundred times in the course of 23 minutes. Mm-hmm. Mike, Try with, that. With that sucks. Aren't used to being on the ground. You know, yeah, as you no, go, of not. Think how many times you have to get yourself up off the ground. Yeah. Yeah. And you got somebody, you said 80, 80 some years old who, you know, that's a big deal. When they go to the ground, they have to ask for yeah. help. 
all the time, yeah. but you're teaching them a life skill, a life saving skill, basically. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And, that, and that's and that's the reason why I do it. That's the exact reason knowing, why I do it. And knowing how to fall. Yeah. Yes, sir. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, these are these are good life skills to have as you age. Yeah. So what's the number one killer over the age of 50? It's not cardiovascular disease. It's wow. not diabetes. It's not, it's not, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it's the fall. Injuries, if you look yeah. At the, yeah. If you look at the, if you look at the statistics on what kills people over the age of 50 could be cancer, could be whatever. Okay. But so it could be, okay, well, this person had traumatic brain injury. What happened? They fell. Okay. This person mm-hmm. died of, of MRSA or sepsis. What happened? They fell. This person dies of a, of a, of a, uh, of a, they bleed out on the floor. What happened? They fell. Okay. So you're five times more likely to die from a fall than you are from cancer. Now, after, and after you fall the first time, you're twice as likely to fall again. And after you fall the second time, you're four times likely to fall again. So once you fall in that first time, it's a spiral down. How do you get up on all this stuff? I read a lot, sir. <laughs> and I'm passionate. I'm passionate about having my clients live forever. That's a great, that is a great stat. I love that. That's yeah. great. I never, but it's heard, true. I never heard that. Before. But if you if you that. if you look at if you look in on the CDC website and you look at their their their, their, their oh, of course I'm on that all the time, yeah. Michael. Yeah. I know. Well you got you've got that you've got you got that that, that that window already open on your on your desktop, I guarantee you. But you know the cause the cause yeah. of death of people over the age of 50. It, it could be, it could be lifestyle related. Okay. But it's very, very possibly they're dying from falls. And, you know, and once again, why, why are, you know, why are hospitals have all these, these fall protocols and nursing homes have fall protocols because that's where they lose their clients. That's where they lose their patients. Yeah. And how, and why, why do old people fall? Cause they're weak. Well, they're weak and they're feeble, which right. is also another form of weakness. Right. And well, their yeah, fragility top heavy and they're brittle. Yeah. All, all can be and all can be solved by training with weights. Yeah, watch that. Training. Really can. Yeah. Watch that. Strength training. Quickly. I was telling you what that orthopedic surgeon told me at Children's Hospital. He said they did a research study where they had elderly people just stand up with a bar on their back. Not go, not squat it. Yeah. Just stand up and it improved their bone density. And it, and it you know, really improved their bone density. So it's just that our bodies thrive on that weight bearing, our bones. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned you mentioned bone density. I had a 77 year old client, okay, who had cancer, and who's gone through regular regular bone density scans and and, uh, and treatment. Okay, so she started with me, and she doubled her bone density in two years without any medicine. I guarantee without, without without any medicine and, and only using kettlebells. Right, that's interesting. She's she's tall, skinny lady. Tall. I mean, she's taller than I am, and she probably weighs a buck thirty-five. But she doubled her bone density by, and this is without exceeding thirty-five pounds. Yeah, that's. I mean, literally. Now, now, Mike, what what kind of problems was she having with bone density before? She was it was going downhill, and her doctor was freaking out. They're getting ready to put her on some some meds to do it to to increase her bone density. So yeah, they they've got all kinds of medication now that they can yeah, they, they can, can do, do that. It. But yeah, they can do again. It. It's medication, but you, what you really need is movement resistance. Yes, Roger that. No, you need do you need you need load bearing. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, right. Got to the bones are brittle because they're like they're on the moon or they're on, on water. They they don't they don't have any stress on them. Right, right, and they're hollow. Bones are hollow. Yeah. I mean, once again, if you if, if, you, if you do not themselves, right, if they're, yeah. left, if they're left alone, <laughs> if there's no yeah, reason to reinforce the structure, it becomes brittle and it fall, it fails. 
on the they other They don't want to have bird bones, right? They have hollow bones. Right, exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and that's susceptible to, you know, if you do fall, well, then they get the classic shattered hip, right? Yeah. I think there's still a misconception out there, as is, you know, women, a lot of women don't want to lift weights because they think they'll get all bulky and all that. But I think with the older generation, I think there's still a misconception of, hey, I'll hurt myself if I start training with kettlebells or barbells or whatever. And it's yeah. I'm always blown away and I'm always telling my mom, I, you know, uh, and, and she's half a country away from me. So I, I can't do anything about it personally uh physically here by me but uh i'm always telling her well you're back you know you need some sort of movement some sort of resistance training you know these older people they don't do anything and i mean their bodies just start falling apart you gotta have that load that resistance otherwise you know what why would your body stay healthy why would it it not just you know break down and, and disintegrate and start being so injury prone and things like that so yeah no i agree i mean what's it so what, like, my whole point is you know michael can, michael what, what, michael yes, hold sir. on a, michael michael hold on a second even machines okay like if i were advising your mother i'd say go to the y okay. get it yeah you know and and just use the machines because they're safe Are machines better than barbells and dumbbells and kettlebells? No, they're not. But compared to doing nothing, they are a godsend. They will provide the load, the load bearing that you need. And she should work her legs. But but you can help her with the sex and reps and the idea that they really need to push it a little bit. And there's how much danger is there to taking it to failure doing a set of machine arm curls? Yeah. Well, you know, and Mike mentioned you know, God. You know what I mean? And, and, and then take the, and then the, that's where the gains come is when they establish benchmarks and then they work to improve their benchmarks. Because guess right. what? When you're really weak and you're new to it, benchmarks are easily improved upon. Oh, yeah. Well, well, Marty, you're always that's where momentum events. that's that's where that's where momentum results generate momentum right. and that re that that creates the enthusiasm that they mm-hmm. need motivation it. and yeah yes yeah. and it can be in the seated leg extension or the lying leg curl if you did seven last week with one plate and you get eight reps this week will spike the ball you better this week than you were last week right mike do you yes, sir. because you're you're training uh you're training some older people over there you've got a client i yes, think sir. you said is 87 yes sir do you find that the kettlebell is less intimidating for for the older people because yeah, it's was, compact hoping, it's you know yeah i was hoping you're going to ask me that because because once again you know i i have people who were just just will not go to the bar because it's too intimidating so the right. kettlebell the kettlebell gives you so so here's the thing if i if i can get them using the kettlebell i get them to the bar it doesn't take long because because i can say okay, well you know you you understand the dynamics behind the deadlift with the kettlebell with one with two hands and you understand the dynamics with the deadlift with one hand and then you understand the dynamics behind the kettlebell with the suitcase deadlift hey you know it, the, the 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 deadlift with the bar it really does change the game and it gives you another, another understanding of the same tool. It's not, it's, 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 it's not the same, but it's, it's different enough. You have to understand that, you know? So, I mean, so, yeah. So, I mean, so if, if you're, if you're trying to get people to, to lift weights, you know, 
dumbbells and kettlebells are are it, it's 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 a it's a it's a it's a different entry point. You know, if you're if you're you know once again we're you know I think we're all died in the wood wool, wool meatheads, and we aren't intimidated by the bar. But there are people out there who do. So you you need to find a way to get them to dip their feet in the weight that they. Yeah, you're right. And there's because the, the, you know, most Olympic bars are seven feet long or 45 pounds. They're very yeah. cumbersome. They're very intimidating. Uh, somebody's not going to be able to handle that if they've got no experience or they're feeble or whatever. So get them started with a very light kettlebell, a single kettlebell or a single dumbbell or a pair of dumbbells, whatever. Uh, but that's a great entry point. And then eventually, you know, they'll, they'll graduate to that, that bar or yeah, a different what, kind of bar that's, that's uh, lighter, whether it's a yeah, shorter once bar. They, once whatever. they get used to moving load, it's load. It's also, it's load. It's load. It doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's, it's, it's a dumbbell you know, or a kettlebell. And, or a and, the, and the kettlebell is such a great way to start doing squats, to, to learn how to do your squats, the, the goblet yes, squat. You mentioned that a little while ago. And I mean, I love these things. Marty loves them. That's, Marty, talk about the, the different phases of teaching the squat, because it's very interesting, the phases that you guys have for this. And, and you start with what's well, either the body weight squat or the goblet squat, right? Well, actually, we have what we call below zero, which is mm-hmm. we start with the suspension training. Right. Yeah. yeah. Roger that. Well, we, so do I. Well, we want to. That's how we enable people to be lighter than they are. And that allows them to attain the full range of motion that we really insist on. Too many partial movements are being taught. And that doesn't, uh, it's not optimal. We want to be strong over the entire range of motion, which requires super deep squatting, because that's what they're going to need in life. You can't get up and down off the floor if you can't squat. Roger that. Yes, sir. So the whether it's the TRX or the cross core, you lay back into that and you can reduce your body weight by 50% depending upon how hard you pull on those handles. Over a lot, time. right. And it helps over you balance. Time. Yeah. yeah. And also you can get the full range of motion. That is mm-hmm. the most important thing, the full range of motion, the ass yeah. on heels, relaxed. Okay. You know, and then from there, they apply less and less and less upward pressure on the handles till they're able to not have to use the suspension trainer. Now they're doing bodyweight squats. So let's get them up to three sets of eight or three sets of 10. Now let's give them a kettlebell. Yeah. Right. Then when they're able to handle low, let's say a 54 pound kettlebell, now they can handle an empty barbell, a 45-pound barbell in the front squat. Then and only then, after they work in the front squat and are able to master that, do we allow them to do the high bar back squat. And then finally, only after they've done all this other stuff, do we let them do the low bar back squat, which is where a lot of... Uh, personal trainers start people they start them off with the low bar back squat yeah, we don't low. want to go there and <laughs> oh, yeah. invitation to bend forward right let's turn the world's greatest leg exercise into a half-ass back yeah. exercise yeah you know so. we talk about the mental aspect of it all the time but you know a beginner who's doing that protocol that marty just described at each step they're gaining confidence if you 
put them, okay, you know, get under the bar. Let's see what you can, you can do right away. No. And, they, yeah. and, and something goes wrong, you know, God forbid an injury, but just the confidence aspect of, you know, the true periodization, even if it's a short period of time, it give, you gain confidence and you want to come back, you know, cause you know, wow, if I do this, if I do these three sets of eight without any weight, I get to move up to this, you know, the, the, yeah. the weight with the goblet or whatever. It's, it's all a, a process that gains confidence, you know, as you go. Yes, and, you, and, and you definitely and don't want to terrify. They're strengthening. They're strengthening. Right, right. Yeah. And you don't even know it, you know? You don't even know it. Yeah. So so Marty mentioned his protocol, his his spectrum on the squat. So I teach three squats. I teach an offloaded squat, an unloaded squat, and a loaded squat, which summarizes Mar Marty's spectrum. Offloading means use a TRX or a pole or a door handle. So you're offloading load to the implement to allow you to find, explore full range of motion and get comfortable with the motion, right? And then unloaded is, it's a bodyweight squat, you know, whatever inclination you want to do it. And then loaded is, we start with the kettlebell. Yeah. Kettlebell to, yes, you know, so a, a, a goblet squat, a rack squat, double kettlebell rack squat, front squat with the bar, back, high bar, high bar back squat, and then a low bar back squat. So that's, that Marty, Marty said exactly the same thing. I just knocked it down to three bullet points. I want to add this too, Michael, and I know you're going to want to riff on this, is that uh, I talked about this to JP, Ryan Chow. Okay. Okay. So yeah, talked, we know him. I, I talked to Ryan Chow about this, so just pay attention, okay? All right. So okay, boy, that gives it all credence to it then. That means it's got a stamp on it. It's certified. Yes. What Dr. Ryan Chow said was that um, and I agreed with him for a large portion of humanity, they never have to go to a barbell back squat, no, or a barbell front squat because the goblet squat. And I like my goblet squats, I will actually use a dumbbell for I turn a dumbbell sideways and hold that under my chin. Mm -hmm. uh, but I tell you, when I was doing, I don't know, let's say 315 for five, uh, an 80 pound kettlebell or, or barb, uh, dumbbell was all I could handle for five or six reps. Yeah, that's, I agree. That's tough. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, 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 it definitely, so, so the tension you need to manage an 80 pound goblet squat is horrific. Absolutely horrific. Okay. All and, the way and, and, down, and, and, relax, yeah. let it stretch you out at the bottom, stay yep. upright for a beat, and come erect. Yeah. And it's horrific. So and you it's didn't, like, I think I, you said at one point why in time. Why do I have to go to a back squat? I mean, if, yeah. I, I, I'm an elite lifter, and so if you're just a normal civilian and you can get crushed with a 54. Why not? <laughs> why do they have to go to, you know, a barbell at all? Yeah. You know? I don't know. Jim, what do you think? I mean, why? You know, if, if you're getting what you want out of the out of the goblet, all, all you can handle, right? Yeah. If if it's all you can handle, I can't do more than eight reps with this. Whatever, fifty-four. I don't even know what the weight poundages are on this. Fifty-four. What else, Michael? What's above that? So fifty-three, sixty-one, seventy-one, seventy-nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So you got the 61 and I'm, 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 I'm squeezing out six reps and I'm, it's going to be a while. I'm going to work that up to 10. Right. Marty, but the way you're change. doing them makes them twice as hard because oh, yeah. when yes, you get to the yes, bottom, exactly. you're telling people to exhale and just go yeah. just absolutely bottom out. And then when you come up, 
you're grinding, you're, you're taking the explosion out. You're just uh, grinding we can up. Also, we can also allow explode. We, there are three, you can, yeah. sep- there are three separate and distinct rep speeds that we, every athlete should think about before they do a set. You can have purposely slowed grind. And what is our definition of purposely slowed? Barely slowed. Right. We don't want some ridiculously slowed, super slow thing where they take whatever fifteen seconds to complete. You know, the it's more about control. I want you to feel, and you know, Marty, we talked about this. It's yeah. the you're developing a mind muscle connection by doing that, by doing that slow eccentric. Also, well, you're yeah. you're saying, well, eccentric. Remember, every that's, time that's what we're going to talk there. about the coil, the coil, yeah. on the, right? On the spring, the spring. Yes. Right. Whether it's a squat or the deadlift, that's how we're building that reactive force that we talked about earlier, right? But again, Michael, would you, with with the work that you've done with your clients, are you graduating people routinely to the barbell or keeping them at the kettlebell for the for the squat? Depends. Yeah. It, so here, it really depends on the client, and 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 you know, and and. You're the one who told me, and and, and, we, and this is at a workshop. So you know, your 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 a goblet squat equates to two to three times the load in your hands. So a 53 pound goblet squat equates to 150 pound uh, back squat. And I go, you know what? I don't. So so I went through a period of time I had a really really bad back injury. And I was a student squat for almost a year. I got myself back to a, to a to a to a goblet squat, and then I went under the bar, and I I was able to squat. 135 pounds with no problem after being able to squat a 53 pound kettlebell. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think you're right. I mean, the stability, the strength, the mobility, the, 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 um, the neurological capacity that I need that I needed to have to squat a 53 pound kettlebell was perfect for a 135 pound bar. Now, you know, I, I get, I, I, I squat up to a 98 pound goblet squat on a regular basis. And, but that's, 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 but that's like every fifth week. But I normally Just, train with 53 or 61 pounds. Describe that. A 98-pound 90, uh, goblet squat. I mean, what are you doing? How many reps are you doing? What are you doing? How many sets? Okay, so, so, so you know, CrossFit Concepts is the name of my company, and I use the name CrossFit only, only for, for, uh, for advertising purposes. We, our rep scheme is 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 3, 5, 7, 9, 11. That's it. Mm. We don't go above 10 reps 99.9% of the time. Good. So, uh, so a normal workout would be 5, 5, 5. Five 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 or three five seven or two four six or you know or or four six eight and so so you know so my my workout last night for example was fourteen thousand five hundred pounds in twenty minutes. (laughs) Okay, and and keeping my heart rate below one forty. Yeah. Or you're training. Okay, so so how do I do that? Three to five reps, change techniques. Three to five reps, change techniques. Three to five reps, change techniques rinse lather repeat yeah and i think let me just say this about the kettlebells it's uh, the convenience of them so so let's say you got a person that never really needs to graduate to the barbell you know they're a business and they got to be in the office at eight o'clock they're fighting the beltway traffic they got four kids you know stuff so you can make it to crossfit concepts and you're done in 20 minutes which is perfect or you can do it basement and you're done in 20 minutes which is perfect and you know i when i used to go to um when I couldn't afford to go to a gym when I would go on vacation because who you know twenty five dollars for an hour, uh, yeah. I'd throw that fifty four pound kettlebell in the back of my truck, and then you know I'd do that three hundred swings program. And man, you're out of there. I mean, you're in and out. 
and you're blown up real fast. The convenience of them and the way you can crush yourself without a lot of equipment or paying a lot of money is, is paramount to using those things. I mean, I think it's great. Yeah. I mean, the, the goal is to use big, you know, get, you know, multi hinge, big movements that have a, have a, a, a definite, impact on your physiology in a short time. The book. You're getting more. Yeah. 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 And, and once again, and, I, and once again, you, you guys know me, I, I love, I love powerlifting. I, I love the whole concept behind that. Uh, but to get people to do something, I mean, so, so I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of a hundred reps or 200 reps or 10,000 reps in a month. I think all you're going to do is you're going to build in some, some really, really bad um, um, imbalances in the body and ineffective technique. Uh, if, mm-hmm. you, if you if you really want to get the most out of ballistics, you have to do it a ballistic. If you really want to get the most out of a grind, you have to do it, do it as a grind. So our workouts will combine, you know, grinds and ballistics. But I'm a stickler for saying if you're you, you know you you've got to distinguish between the two characteristics those techniques, and you got to you got to honor that. You, not everything not everything's a mishmash, and everything's a half-ass hybrid. You know, so, I mean, and that's the only way you get results is if you, if you respect the, if you respect the technique and you respect the load. Yeah. Right. And improve it over time. Yes, sir. And, and once again, and you, and you will, I mean, so we, we use named workouts. I mean, so every, every, every workout has a name and, and in the course of 12 years of running a gym, I've probably, you know, named 12,000 workouts in the process, but, you know, so you can go back and you'll see workouts repeat themselves we have a probably a core a core group of maybe 15 workouts you'll see number of times a year so everybody keeps along so if you did if you did this workout on on in january you'll see it again in in, in uh in april and if you did it in april you'll see it again probably in in, in august or, or september and you'll see it again for the end of the year what was your what was your load what was the number of reps you did and and what was you know and, and, and what you know so did you increase your load did you increase your reps Okay. Or did you increase your load and lower your reps or did you use the same load and do more, do more reps? Right. Okay. Well, so, so the goal is, are you developing work capacity over time? And and more fundamentally is you're having them log and by logging, they have something to work against and improve upon. Roger that. Yes, sir. So you're never, you're never, you're never, you're never blind when it comes into it. Are you, are you, are you, are you increasing volume or are you increasing density? Well, you know, and then the person says to you, Mike, oh, man, I didn't, you know, I didn't make much gains. And you looked at the log. Oh, no, you went up a rep. Yeah. You got better yeah. by one rep. Yeah. More, or more or you're, you're recovering from an injury. Right. Or you're, or you're you know, or, or you're recovering from a vacation. Of course, you're not going to be able to increase what you did. You, you just, so you just spent a month, of, you know, a month off recovery from injury or, or you but were sick point, or you had COVID. Yeah. But my point is, right. you know, you can change any of those, uh, you know, you can either change the rest period. You could change to show progress. It doesn't always have to be weight. And we talk about that all Watch the time. Watch that. Yes, sir. Oh, yes, sir. Yeah. Wow, could I did could that in 30 cardio? seconds. Yeah. Could, be a car- could be a cardio yeah, anything, uh, anything. breakthrough. It could be a uh, body weight. Yeah. What was your maximum heart rate during the workout? Right. And yeah. you know, did, 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 it, did it drop by seven points? That's freaking yeah. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Yes. And, and it's so well, without the, without the benchmarks, we have nothing. Then no, every workout is freestanding and, and right. every day is groundhog day. Yeah. And that's why I insist they, they log their workouts. And I, I, so, you, 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 and so and also think of this. So the, the genius behind naming a workout. So let's say let's say you name a workout called Paladin. OK, are all, are all bells and no brains, which are, which are two workouts we're doing this month. OK, so what do you do? You're eliciting conversation. Right. And you can't say, hey, well, you know, that workout, we did five of this and five of that and five of the other thing. 
it's hard to explain. Hey, remember Paladin? That was a nut crusher. I mean, we worked really, really hard, but guess what? I did Paladin back in, in, in 2020 and I, I ended up doing two more rounds. So you, you can literally, you can get people to talk about the workouts by giving them a name. So you're, you're building community at the same time and you're, you're eliciting conversation. You're making them want to talk about it. Yeah. You know, guys, I, I think the, the big picture on this thing too is, um, you know, training, no matter what kind of training you're doing, whether it's kettlebell no. or barbell or whatever, it's, it all boils down to, especially as you get older, longevity and resilience. And, Roger that. Uh, yes, sir. You know, and we just, when I had COVID, I came back and we had a, uh, a podcast on that and talked about, you know, what, what the benefits were that I was working out before that and helped me get through it. And then I, I uh, rehabbed after that. Mike, you had a, a, a pretty <laughs> recent health scare. You want to talk about that and, uh, and go through, you know, how, how you think training has, has helped you and training is why you're still here. Let's, let's be honest. I mean, go through the event that you had a, a, a while back. Uh, November 17, 2020, I was in the gym working out, doing one of my favorite workouts, and I noticed that I didn't feel good. I mean, so, so, you know, look, so, so we, our workouts average between 18 and 23 minutes and they are going to suck. You're gonna, it's going to suck for 23 minutes, no matter what you do. Okay. But something was wrong. It wasn't respiratory. It, I mean, I started sweating profusely and I just felt something was really, really wrong, yeah. you know, and, and once again, I, I, so I have no history of heart, heart disease, no history of any sort of cardiovascular issues. And I took a knee and I go, man, something's not right. And so I looked at my training partner, I go, you know what? You better call 911. I'm having a heart attack. And of course, the room went dead silent. And they go, what? I said, I'm having a heart attack. And I, and I, you know, not knowing, not knowing what was going on, but I say, you know, in my, in my heart, some little voice is going, Hey dude, you're having a heart attack. You better get to the hospital. Did you feel so, sick and not, I hear you feel no, nauseous. I didn't, and, I didn't have, I didn't have, I didn't okay. have like shooting pains down my arm. I didn't have like crushing pain in my chest. I started feeling really, really tight in my chest and I was sweating mm. like a monkey. I mean, it, it was, and I was, and I was cool. It was a cool sweat. And I'm going, and I, and I, I don't remember any sort of extreme pain or discomfort. I go, I just felt really, really tight in my chest. And I just said, something's wrong. I mean, just literally my, my brain's going, you know, danger, danger, Will Robinson, you better do something fast. Yeah. So, um, called the ambulance and they got there in a few minutes and, you know, and, and I never lost consciousness. I was laying on the floor going, man, this really sucks. I don't feel good. And I kind of, I know I went fetal for a while. Cause I just, I felt I, I wanted to comfort myself. I just felt so bad, you know? And, uh, they came in, you know, and they rolled me over to start talking to me and I was having a, what's called a widow maker heart attack. I was having a heart attack based upon the lower anterior descending artery. Uh, and so, I mean, if you, if you look up Widowmaker on the internet and you look what the statistics of survival are, the statistics to survive a Widowmaker heart attack outside of the hospital is zero. And that's why they call it a Widowmaker. Okay. If you, if you're in the hospital and you have the heart attack, your survival rate is 12%. Okay. Oh my God. So they, they, you know, they, they looked at me, they put the late, so they, so they, so, you know, you guys know me. You see me. I'm kind of a hairy little monkey. They had to shave my chest as I'm laying on the ground to get the leads to stick to me. And uh, they go, oh, okay, we got to transport him now. I'm, okay. And, I, and I'm talking to these guys. I'm laughing and joking. It was cold. as Oh, it was so cold. I was cold and sweaty, you know? So uh, they put me in the back of the unit. They're talking and I'm going, what hospital are you guys taking me to? This is taking forever. And the hospital's four miles maybe from my place. It seemed mm -hmm. like it took forever. 
so they wheel my butt into the into the into the ER right into a into a, a, a cardio cardiac unit. And so I'm joking with the girls who are in there. I'm talking to the doctors, you know. And so they slapped the leads on me and everybody got real quiet. Like, okay, we're going to the stat to the to the stent lab right now. And so my wife wasn't there yet. And so this is right when they started closing the hospital down for COVID. And I go, I want to see my wife. They go, well, we got to get you in the, we got to get you in the surgery right now. And so my wife bursts in and she has a, she has her own story. She can tell you about how she got in the hospital because they, they wouldn't let her in. And I said, baby, I'm going to be fine. It's not a big deal. They're going to put, you know, they're, they're going to take good care of me. I'll, I'll see you on the other side. Right. Not knowing what was going on, you know? Uh, so I was in surgery for an hour and a half getting a stent put in. So they would put one stent in my heart. And, uh, you know, and I survived. I mean, and, and so, you know, then, then, of course, I'm in the I'm in the ICU for a week with a lot of really sick people. And I'm going like, could you guys just send me home? I feel fine. <laughs> you know, it's like, but they wouldn't let me out of the hospital for a week after that heart attack. So, I mean, how did this happen in the first place? I mean, you, you know, you're, no, you're so, a martial so, arts guy, a workout guy, fitness guy, you know. OK, so that was my first question. When I talked to the cardiologist who put the stat in my heart, I said, so, OK, dude, what did I do wrong? I mean, I work out every day. My resting yeah. heart rate is 54. My BP is normal. You know, my diet is really good. I, you know, and, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm strong as an ox, you know, and I, and I and my, and my, and my heart is very, very strong. He goes, it's not your fault. He goes, he goes, blame your parents. I said, well, I was adopted. I goes, well, you got no one to slap in the face then. <laughs> so, so, so there's, there's cardio, cardio, cardiovascular heart disease and there's cardiovascular artery disease. Cardiovascular artery disease is hereditary. You get it from your gene pool. Well, my gene pool sucks because I have the propensity for having widowmaker heart attacks. That's it. Wow. You can't do anything about it. So, I mean, so, so, you know what? So here's the thing. Here, here's the really interesting rub. So three months before I had my heart attack, I went to my doctor, who's a cardiologist, said, look, I said, I do not feel good. And I brought him a list of things. I said, look, this is going on. This is going on. This is going on. This is going on. He goes, he goes, you sound like one of my old lady patients. And I'm going, and I look at him, I'm going, dude, I'm serious. He goes, he goes, lose a few pounds. That was, and, 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 and you know, and he did an EKG. My, my EKG was normal. Oh, right? And three months later, I have a Widowmaker heart attack. So I have a new cardiologist now who I like a whole lot. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. But what, what did did the doctors uh, and the surgeons make any? Uh, did they comment about hey, you know, you're you're in shape and you're you're working out yeah, and, and one of looking the guys, after your health, and that's the only reason that you're still here? Or what yeah, did they, they say? So there was two cardiologists, an older guy and a younger guy. And the younger guy was like in his forties. He goes, he goes, he goes. There's so I said, Mr. Krivka, I'll tell you flat out. There's no reason why you're here today, other than the fact that you've worked out for twenty years and your heart and your body was so strong. Yeah. It made you hard to kill. And I go, yeah. thanks boss. That's exactly what I wanted to hear because that was my goal. My goal is to be hard to kill. I mean, you know, so, so, I mean, I'm a martial artist. I want to be hard to kill. That's bullshit. Okay. Anybody can die any day of the week from a bullet to the back of the head or a knife in the back or a sword through the gut. Right. But you want to be resilient. You want to be hard to put down, you know? Right. And so, you know, the fact that my, that my, you know, that my, my heart was so, so strong, it still allowed me to survive a literally death sentence. So, so here's the thing. When I, when I, when I eventually came public, when I was out of the hospital, okay. Do you know how many phone calls and texts and emails I got from guys who are my age, who are terrified to go, holy shit. If you could have a heart attack like that. Yeah. It could happen yeah. to me. I'm going, yeah, dude, go to your cardiologist. 
get an EKG, get an echocardiogram, check up on your heart health, because if it can drop my ass, it can drop yours too. And, uh, and then, then, of course, then I got all, all these female friends of mine who go, yeah, that's how I lost my first husband, or that's how I lost my husband, or my husband died three weeks ago from a Widowmaker heart attack. And, you know, it's like, like, it was terrifying. It was, it was literally, it was one of the most terrifying and humbling experiences of my life to have to, 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 to talk to these people who lost their spouses or lost their dad or lost a loved one. And then guys who are my age were just, just mortified. They go, dude, I've known you for 20 years. Nothing can put you down. I go, well, I shouldn't be here, but I am. Yeah. Take care of yourself. So talk about recuperation. How did you do it? What did you change? Did you change your diet? Did you change your training around? What did you do differently, if anything? So so I wasn't allowed to lift for eight weeks after the, uh, after the heart mm-hmm. attack. So I went back in the gym and I, and I own a gym. So I, you know, I, I'm, you know, I was back in the gym within two weeks of having a heart attack. So everything I did for, so my rehab was, uh, I started using the clubs again every night. I started using the mace again every night. I started doing some, some light bodyweight conditioning, pushups, ring rows, bodyweight squats, crawling, rolling on the floor, things with what I call a sit out and, and the wheel of pain and power wheel. Now, Okay, so I wouldn't recommend that as being a, a cardiovascular rehab for most people, but that's what I did. And then once I once they cleared me to lift weights, I just I just kept my heart rate lower than I normally would during the workouts and did everything I always did before. So you know, it was so so you know, my my kettlebell diet is two hand swings, two hand cleans, two hand high pulls, and goblet squats. That's if you looked at my training logs, that's 65 mm-hmm. to 70 percent of my training regimen right there yeah right so i went back to training and so now now i have a what's called a woof which is a, ba- a wristband you wear and i wear it 24 7 365 i actually got it before the heart attack and it registered the heart attack it literally shows the heart attack oh, really? on my stats yeah it's kind of cool um and so i i have the whoop on when i work out i put turn my phone on i turn the whoop app on and i watch my heart rate if it gets if it, if it starts to peak at 140 I slow down for a few seconds till it goes back down to about 130 or 125 and I start again. So I don't, you know, so and so, so, Michael, 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 did yes, someone give, did someone give you that ceiling? Yeah. My cardiologist said, so it's at, at, at 60 years of age, your maximum heart rate is, you know, 220 minus your age. So, you know, so basically 220 is, is 160. He goes, I don't want you going above. Mm-hmm. He said 120 and I negotiated to 140. Because I knew okay. I, I I knew I would easily hit 120 during any one of those workouts. So okay, look if but I keep that, watching, that that was how that's how they keep score. In other words, he said, yeah, do your exercise, but your heart rate will be your speedometer. Roger that, yes sir, yes sir. Okay, interesting. So usually, like if I'm doing, so I have I have a, a couple workouts that I do myself that are bar workouts that I that that my heart rate never gets over 120 pounds. But I think the last time I did it, I did it with 135 pounds. And I, in 22 or 23 minutes, did over 20,000 pounds, moved 20,000 pounds. Okay. And my heart rate never went over 120. My workout last night was 14, a little over 14,600 pounds. And my heart rate never went over 145. It had a peak. It jumped, it jumped one during one of the sets. So I had to slow down. What was your elapsed time? Uh, that was 20 minutes, sir. How many times a week are you doing those kind of workouts? Three to four times a week. All right. So, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, 
do the 20,000 pound workouts very often. I do it once every three to four weeks, but I, I love that workout. It's a fun workout. And I test it, but my normal yeah, workout, yeah. I would say easily between. Card. Yeah. Yeah. That's my scorecard. If I could, if I could do it, I feel great. I, I want to go heavier the next time, you know, uh, mm-hmm. but my average workouts between eight and 12,000 pounds in 20 minutes. Some are a lot heavier than that. Some are somewhat lighter. We do partner workouts on the weekends where you have about a minute and a half burst and you got a minute and a half off. And those workouts are usually between eight and 10,000 pounds. And I'm only working out for 11 and a half minutes. Any changes in diet? Uh, yeah, I'm eating a lot more Brussels sprouts and, sp- and spinach and, and broccoli. Okay. I, I, I mean, I, I'm intentionally adding more, more, uh, more vegetables to my meals. Uh, do uh-huh. I still eat, do I still eat red meat? Yes, sir. Do I still eat pork? Yes, sir. Do I still eat chicken? Yes, sir. And you know, I, I'm unabashedly a carnivore. Um, but you know, once again, I mean, it, it, I mean, if, if I don't eat those, if I don't eat that protein, I feel like a dog. I feel just tired. And weak. What is, where's your body weight at now compared to, uh, when you had your heart attack? You know, honestly, it's only about five pounds different. Yeah. Is that where you want to be or you want to drop? Cause I, I want to keep dropping a little myself. You know, so, I, I went into COVID at 290, came out at like 260 and I'm so much better off now. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so would, would my doctor like to see me down? So, so I had one doctor tell me that at, at five, eight and a half, that I should be at, uh, 120 pounds, 130, <laughs> 135 pounds. And at that point in time, I weighed no. 218 and I'm going, I'm going, dude, what do you want me to cut off? That's going to take at least two legs. And arms, <laughs> right. So, so, I mean, so I got down to, uh, let's see, this is 2021 back in 2017. I got down to, I think it was 218 pounds and I felt terrible. I was weak and I couldn't really do anything. I mean, I, I literally, cause I was, I was, I was dieting down. I wanted to see how low I could go. And I, I think I got to 212, but I, I, I mean, because on one day, but I was, I think I was just massively dehydrated and felt like a dog, but I got down to about 218. Everybody goes, man, are you okay? They thought I had cancer. That's still big though for a guy that's five, eight. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, so can I tell you something really funny? When I graduated from high school, I weighed 98 pounds. Whoa. There's okay. pictures of me at 98 pounds. Okay. When I graduated from college, I weighed 185 pounds. Yeah. So I doubled my, my, I, that's all because I started lifting and I, I, I used to lift the football team. I used to, I used to compete against the guys in the football team, lifting in the gym just for grins, but I doubled my body mass and, you know, and like, well, as, that, I got to 185, funny. I got to 185 in like two years. Yeah. That's I funny. Got, I did. I did the same thing. Well, yeah. we probably all did. I know yeah. Jim did. He, he tripled his body weight. I think uh, at my 318 or whatever you were 312. Yeah. So, Mike, have you been back to the cardiologist since then? Yeah, I just literally was in there the other day. And, and so, that, so good yeah, go. I'm good to go. I'm good to go. So the only, the only, like, so the, the, the only issue is, you know, once again, when you have a heart attack like that, especially one that's severe, you lose capacity in, in, in certain quarters of the heart. So um, I was down, I was, when they just post heart attack, I was down to about 27% capacity. And now I'm just over 53% capacity. So I've doubled the capacity of my heart since the heart attack in a year. So that quadrant, but you know, it's like, so, so if that quadrant is weak, the rest of the heart's taking over and, and, and doing a little extra work. Well, mm. because my heart's so strong, I don't feel the difference. I really don't. Now I mean, when you, you know, heart- I mean, I've, I've had, I've had much worse injuries that I felt terrible in this longer recoveries than that heart attack. Honest yeah. to God, honest to God. And people go, you had a heart attack and you thought it was easy. I'm going, you know, I'm going to shut up talking now because <laughs> you know, yeah, it, was, it was, it was, it was traumatic. It was more mentally traumatic 
and, and emotionally and, and kind of, you know, uh, uh, psychologically traumatic than it was physically traumatic for me. Physically, you were prepared for it. Oh, yeah. No, I know. I mean, so, so as much as you could be. Yeah. I've told people my whole life that I know there's going to come a time and there already has on two occasions where my body is going to take a tremendous toll because I'm going to put myself in a situation that's going to be either I live or die. Literally. So I've always known from a very young age, like 12, 13 years old, that I need to be prepare myself for a life altering event and be mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally prepared for a, a, you know, a huge toll. Either I'm going to be there afterwards or I'm going to not going to be. And, uh, and I've, I've known that my whole life. And that's why I train. I, tr- I train for the moment in time where it's going to be my life or someone else's life. And I intend to be there on the other side of that, of that event. So, you know, I've trained my whole life for that heart attack. And I survived. And it doesn't sound like there's, there's much else you could have changed to prevent that. I mean, that was just your your genes. It was going to happen anyway. If, if somewhere along the line, I'd had an MRI, one of those full body scans and someone really zeroed in on my heart and said, Hey, your lower, lower, lower anterior descending artery is building up a little plaque. We should probably look at that. Yeah. But it never happened. But the key is, the key is you were trained so long, you were physically and, and mentally as ready for, for an event like this as you could be, just as I was when I got sick, just as, because we're always, and especially the rehab, the recuperation from something like this, because you know what, as, as lifters, as, as uh, fitness guys, you know, we're used to climbing up the mountain, you know. Yes, sir. Um you know, going from the bottom of the mountain to the top, whatever it takes, 12 weeks or whatever it is, um, that's what we do. We're used to that. So this is just another event that, hey, we got to climb the mountain and uh, a little bit different, but you're climbing the mountain to to meet that end goal of, you know, just basically trying to get back to the the, the level that you were at before physically, yeah. you know, as much as you can. I don't know. Now, do you think you're that one quadrant in your heart will ever totally um, heal up and, and recuperate or it's I'm always going to sure. be down by some capacity. Yeah. I, th- I think, I think within the first year you either, you either regain the past the full capacity or not, but see, here's okay. the thing. So, so, so be, the, the heart attack was caused by coronary artery disease. So that part of my mm. heart has been starved for a long time. I mean, not like it was starved for five minutes or starved for a day and a half. It took a long time for that, for that plaque to build up to give me a heart attack. Yeah. Right. So that quadrant has already been diminished for many, many, many years. So, mm. you know, so, so in general, my heart is very, very strong. I mean, according to echocardiogram I had the other day, my heart is in perfect condition. It's an, it's an absolutely great condition. You know, it's, it's my, my rhythms are good. My, my pumping capacity is very, very good throughout the whole heart, except for that one quadrant. So, you know, it, it, I've got to keep my heart strong. So, you know, it's like, it's like someone goes, well, what's your next goal? My next goal is to live at 95 and drop straight dead. Just boom, I'm dead. Right. No, no long pronounced prolonged uh, uh 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 right you know disease where i'm in a bed for a long time and i got wires and tubes every in every orifice no my job is to go from from right now maintain my fitness level from 60 to about 85 or 90 and just drop dead that's my that's my goal so i, mean, I that, it sounds stupid and it sounds somewhat fatalistic but i'm a martial artist my my mentality already is i'm, I'm according to the japanese you're already dead the sooner you realize that the happier you're going to be well you know, I, I realize I'm dead. I'm a dead man. I should have been dead a year ago. So my job is to enjoy the next 25 years, maintain all my biomarkers and my physical characteristics until I just drop flat out dead for the next time. 
Mike, do you All think right, this well, rejuvenated? On that, on, uh, on that happy note, let's uh, let's let's switch gears here. <laughs> well, I want to ask him one more question. One more yes, question sir. here. I want to ask you if it rejuvenated your motivation for training. Oh, absolutely, positively. I mean, so, so I mean, so, 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 would you know? Would you throw away the lifesaver that that saved you the first time? No, absolutely no. not. I no, mean, absolutely. So, you know, it's like it's like, no, hey, you know, if 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 you knew something you could do for twenty three minutes three times a week is going to save your life in a, in a major event, would you stop doing that? There's no way in hell. I mean, right. so if anything, I, I I get more satisfaction out of going to the gym now than I ever did before because. I almost died. I mean, I can, I can stand on the, the four by six, the four by six foot mat that I almost died on. And I go, I'm still here. Right. I just, and I just you know for, big, yeah. Yeah. And you know, for a fact now that what you've been doing the past, you know, umpteen years uh, yeah. it saved your life and it's absolutely uh, positively. Yeah. yeah so, so training for you has a whole different angle now. Of, oh yeah. Of it's got a whole different meaning. And and I, yeah. and, and actually I, I get more joy out of it now too. Uh, I get more joy out of my martial arts classes. And, and if anything, uh, it, it has given me a reason to try to be a better teacher and to give people the knowledge that I have yes. harder. Cause you know, it's like, Hey, you know, I, I know the talk, the clock is ticking, tick, 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 tick. And I spent my lifetime developing skills in the martial arts and developing skills with the kettlebells that I want to make sure that information is passed along to the next generation and they have access to it sooner than I did. I mean, I, I okay. learned everything. All right, all right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Marty's getting crabby. We better change get it. Actually, no, we've gone about saying, an hour and a half. No, 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 no. We don't. You're droning on. Let's, 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 let's put a little. That's an interesting subject. Stop. I mean, you know, he, he should have been dead. We got it. We get it. You, you got We're it? We're happy. Were you, We're you tracking? <laughs> Jim, are you awake? I'm, I'm good to go, Jim, man. Jim left. He went to lunch. No, no, I'm yeah. here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm making Thank a you for your patience. Yeah. Well, all right. What else we got? Yeah, I, I mean, we pretty much covered a, a lot of the stuff we wanted to get to. I mean, that was the last thing that I wanted to wrap up with. I thought it was yeah. really important. Um, yeah. You know, it's a it's a huge event. I I don't personally know anybody that's, that's had a widow make a heart attack, but um, that's you, you not. You do if you've been to a funeral for one of them. Yeah. Well. Yeah. But um, you know, that's just another reason to. Um, you know, we get wrapped up in the strength and the muscle gains and all that stuff. You know, we're all going to get old. Hopefully, if you're, if you're fortunate enough, we're going to get old. You got to think about uh, the longevity, resilience, mobility, all that stuff. So those Much are all that, really yes, good reasons to, uh, to train and learn your proper form and uh, have consistency. Yes, sir. And I think that's the most important thing that, that I would say is that, you know, it doesn't matter what you do, just keep doing it. I mean, there's, there's no, right. so, you know, so, so, so for every, so go, oh, well, you know, uh, I, I don't go to the gym anymore because I can't squat or I can't bench press or I can't press overhead. For every one thing you say you can't do, I can give you 20 more you can. Yeah. So you're true. making excuses. You're making excuses. There's no reason why you shouldn't be going, going to the gym anyway. Right. Marty, do you want to add to that? Or, uh... Not really. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, Mike. I'm glad you're still here, brother. Thank yeah, you, Jimmy. Man. I appreciate it, man. I love you yeah, guys. Yeah, man. Well, I think we'll go ahead and, and wrap it up then. Uh, we really enjoyed having you in here, Mike. Um, um, and by the way, if you enjoy our podcast, please share the link and give us a review on your favorite podcast player. And I got to tell you too, you know, uh, I feel a lot of different messages on Instagram and 
people emailing me and, and just thanking us for coming on. These are people all, all around the world that are thanking us for having the podcast and that they get so much out of it and they, they uh, get so much great advice and how it's helped them with their training or, you know, their, their friends training or whatever. Um, we're glad to do it. We thank you for your support. So just keep listening and, and we'll try to put out the best information and content possible. Do you have a website, so, uh, Mike? Yeah, it's CrossFitConcepts.com with a K. Uh, CrossFit, K-O-N-C-E-P-T-S.com. And once again, I'm, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and, and YouTube. I have my own channel on YouTube as well. So if you, if you, if you just type in Mike Krivka, K-R-I-V-K-A, you'll find me across a lot of different platforms and stuff. And I also want to say that I'm hoping to have Jim and Marty and, uh, and, and other cast of characters at my place several times in 2022 doing their, doing their, their workshops. Uh, and I do kettlebell certifications and uh, India club and base workshops uh, on a regular basis. So if you're interested in any of those top, topics or even interested, if you're a trainer and you're interested in my philosophy behind how I teach and how I do group workouts for the last, you know, 10 plus years, I'm, I'd love to share the information. I have thousands and thousands of workouts and months and months and months of programming that I'd be willing to share with people who are interested in learning about what I'm doing and, and how it benefited my clients. Yeah. And you guys were really getting into these workshops at your gym with, with Marty. And I think, uh, what, I think yeah. Kirk went over there one time, Chuck yeah, was right, there. Right before COVID, we had a great, we had a great series going. Yeah. And then everything kind of shut down and, and screwed up the momentum. So yeah. Hopefully but, we'll um, start it again. But yeah, so you've got uh, the, the different dates and, and times coming up on your uh, CrossFit concepts. And you're also doing some stuff with uh, coming up with Dragon Door in 2022, right? Roger that. Yes, sir. Okay. And, and that'll be visible. Go to dragondoor.com and uh, you'll see all those, those dates and, and uh, certifications and workshops coming up. Also, okay. check out Marty's weekly column, Raw with Marty Gallagher at ironcompany.com. You can find his latest article, Power Rack Training. Mm -hmm. It talks about all the, the available training strategies like partial reps, isometric stretching, and a lot more. Everything you can do with a power rack. And uh, then, if I might uh, interject. Yeah. Um, we got a good email today from Dragondor saying that uh, they uh, printed copies of Purposeful Primitive were back when. There you go. Oh, man. that's awesome. Circulation. I had a guy out the other day. That's good. So, Marty, uh, yeah, is it about that? Is it just on the Dragondor site? I don't. I don't know. Uh, we just got an email from Dragondor saying, okay. "Hey, copies are available. Primitive back." so yeah because uh, we we yeah. have it on our site we were selling it for a while and then it uh yeah. went out of copy and then had to right up. Right yeah up. So everybody back, bought back it up business. real real copies <laughs> yeah they had to cut down more trees to print out some yeah. more copies right yeah. Yeah. yeah so anyway all right and then your instagram is at the marty gallagher and then uh, of course your wife stacy's website is functional hyphen strength org and you've got a lot of your different articles on there and you know, about food whatever stuff that you're not going to see on iron company it's all original and then um let's see oh for strength equipment uh free weights including kettlebells gym flooring cardio equipment go check out ironcompany.com we're glad to help you out uh with any garage gym stuff commercial gym military we do a lot of work with uh our men and women in uniform all over the country, all over the world. And then um, last but not least, new Jim Steele articles. 
can be found in our articles section. Just go to the top of ironcompany.com articles and then search out uh, Jim Steele. And his latest one is my competitive bodybuilding experience. So that's up now. It kind of goes through his uh, experience with bodybuilding, how he got into it and uh, all the different things that, that happened. Yeah. Uh, the next one, he was doing it. the next one would be good. It's my five favorite pieces of equipment. So yes. I'm looking forward to that. I'm not going to tell you now. I, <laughs> I hope they're on our website. <laughs> really? <laughs> I don't want to be pitching somebody else's stuff. Yeah. Watch that. And then, you, uh, Jim, your website, bossbarbell.com. It's B-A-S-barbell.com. Yeah. Uh, you can go there and find out uh, what's going on with training, hunting, everything. It's like I said before, it's a potpourri right, of listen, different is, information. Is the Weeder Arm Blaster one of the one of them? <laughs> it's number one, Marty. I thought it was a, I thought it was a shake weight, Jim. Hey, who didn't have an arm blaster, right? They have them in my gym, man. Oh, they have them in my and, gym. What was yeah. the other one? Uh, the what do they call it? Bull worker? What was the? Yeah. Oh yeah, the thigh bull master. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> thigh master. That was I bet Marty's got a thigh master in his attic somewhere, just stuffed away, <laughs> yeah. like hidden. Yeah. Yeah. Embarrassed yeah. about it. That's how he got was, started in uh, resistance training. Gut that was the ab thing, Marty. The little yeah. thing you lay on your back and you—it's a yeah, little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He sold it. <laughs> I called it. I called it gut be gone. Yeah, gut be gone. <laughs> that's a great name, Marty. They should have called yeah. it that. Yeah, yeah, that's an awesome name. I'm writing that one down. I'm a writer. All right, guys. All well, right. another good podcast in the cam. We thank you, Mike. Uh, great information. My pleasure, guys. Thank you so much We're for having. We're glad you're still here. Thank God you're still here. All right, thanks, guys. Watch that. Yeah, Mike. All right, guys. All the best to all you. Thank you so much. Bye.